All right. So today's episode is actually going to be with Travis Chapel, the founder of Guestio. And this is a great, great episode. episode. Uh, Travis just lays some absolute gold on us as far as the ways to network in to the influencers and decision makers in your space. So this is really, really worth a listen. And you want to listen all the way till the end, because that's really when Travis drops the big gold nuggets. Anyway, uh, let's go ahead and get things going. Welcome to Terminal Value. So everything I do here at Terminal Value is based around one big question. And that is how do growth oriented people transform their business and their life to achieve world-class levels of value in everything they do? That is the question. And I am here to bring you the answers. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is Terminal Value. I publish new podcast episodes five times per week. So make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any content. And also make sure to follow me on social. You can just look for the Doug Utberg handle. Please comment and let me know your thoughts. I'm looking forward to working together so that we can make your life amazing. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Travis Chapel with us today. And what we're going to be talking about is business networking done the right way. And I think that in a lot of cases, networking kind of can get a bad rap. But what Travis and I are going to be talking about is really the right way to do it. So Travis, introduce yourself for a minute and uh, don't let me talk too much. Uh, yeah, what's going on, man? Uh, yeah, glad, glad to be here. Travis Chapel, a uh, podcaster, software founder. And uh, yeah, looking to have a good time, chat a little bit, networking, chat about uh, whatever's going to bring most value to the people listening. Outstanding. So one of the things that we mentioned in the pre-show is how business networking kind of gets a little bit of a bad rap. And, you know, one of the things I'm thinking is, that, you know, if you go to a lot of the networking events, you know, like stereotypically would be your chamber of commerce event, but, you know, a number of other events where you have a whole bunch of people kind of all awkwardly standing around where they're exchanging business cards and kind of shaking hands and things like that. But in a lot of cases, you know, those types of things you know, rarely lead to kind of really life-changing experiences and deals, yet they persist, whether it's something like chamber or whether it's, you know, there's a whole bunch of industry specific networking groups that actually, I've actually talked to a number of these people, uh, the people who are organizing these things. And what they've been saying is that, you know, even with live events starting back up, getting people to attend live events is like harder than it's ever been. Is that for, for whatever reason, there's this, there's, there's been like this kind of permanent shift in the way that networking is happening. And I think that a lot of us, myself included, don't really know how to accommodate that yet. Yeah, I think it certainly accelerated the shift to virtual, obviously yeah. being forced to only be virtual. But I don't know, man, I think we're going to see kind of a regression again back to doing it the old way. Uh-huh. Um, not necessarily the old way, like the business cards and the chamber groups and stuff, yeah. but the old way, meaning just like in-person connection, because I, there's just nothing that can replace that. You know, yeah. we can talk on Zoom all we want, but like hanging out in person, just completely different energy. I think they'll come back. You know, the live event space has come back with a vengeance already. Yeah. I think it might take you know, a certain portion of the population a year or two to kind of get back to adjusted to Mm -hmm. being okay with traveling all the time. You know, some people are still kind of scared about it. And so I think that, um, you know, once everybody kind of realizes things are going to be okay, that in the next couple of years, we'll be, we'll be back rocking and rolling. Gotcha. Well, yeah, well, well, because like, I think one of the things that I was just kind of thinking as I was reflecting on sort of the current networking situation is that at least in my observation, the way that things sort of used to work was that a lot of times you'd have usually a networking event closed, you know, it tended to be in the, you know, in kind of the downtown-ish type areas of most cities, which is where a lot of people were, were going at anyway. And what you usually do is you'd have some kind of 
essentially, you know, food and drinks, networking event that would be from like, say, four o'clock to 530. And so what a lot of people would do is they say, okay, I'll just knock off an hour early, walk down the road, basically, you know, get a free beer, a glass of wine, a couple of hors d'oeuvres, and then knock off at 530 and go home. And, you know, yeah, those have pretty, pretty decent attendance. But now that a lot of people are remote or hybrid, a lot of the attendance in those things is very low. And so uh, a part of me is wondering, okay, so is this going to be correlated with return to work? Or do we think that there's a permanent schism in how these things are structured? And, uh, you know, you know I'm, I'm kind of uh, interesting to know, you know, what's your thoughts on kind of where that's headed? And what do you think that new model looks like? Because it it feels to me that piggyback on people who are already, you know, who are already at the office, I think, yeah, that's going to take at least a couple of years to dissipate. And I think there's a certain amount of it that's just not going back to 2019 world. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever go back to those types of levels. I mean, it was a progression that was naturally going to happen. It was just accelerated. Yeah. So I don't think that it'll go back to what it used to be. I don't think it should go back to what it used to be, but I do think that it'll be a lot less than it was last year and the year before. I think that there are certain companies and certain types of organizations that need people to be in person. You know, like Elon Musk came out and said that everybody's going to be back in the office at, at Tesla and, and uh, some of those other companies and stuff. And I think in, in some of those cases that is um, expected and deserved, I think, because yeah. companies that are like shaping the future and constantly innovating, uh, like I, I would rather those engineers be sitting in a room together working through problems and yeah. issues instead of like looking at it on a computer screen from different parts of the world. Just like it just provides better work and better synergy. Mm -hmm. You know, we've always operated 100% virtually, but we're looking at getting an office space in the next three to six months and having gotcha. people come in a little bit more frequently and stuff. It's just, especially in startup world too. It's just like better for company culture. It's difficult already as a startup to wear different hats and you come in day to day and your job looks different next week than it did two weeks ago. And yeah. it's difficult to like keep up company culture and morale and keep everybody excited and pushing forward. It's difficult enough already to do that, but you add in the virtual thing and then all the distractions of sitting in your home doing work versus being somewhere where you can get focused work in. There's just something to being in person. The connection being in person is, uh, is completely different. Uh, and so I, I think that even if it never goes back to like for, for us uh, at, our, at our company, even if we got up yeah. an, an in-person or you know physical office location, we still wouldn't require everybody to be there like eight to five Monday through Friday. It would still be flexible hours come in when you want, but you do have a place to come focus where yeah. your kids aren't you know, running into your workspace every 12 minutes and deterring you from being able to get any sort of, sort of focused work done. And in a lot of ways, that's like worse on your mental health because you can work for eight hours, but if you're getting distracted every 23 minutes... The type of work that you're getting done isn't as productive as what you would be able to get done if you just had four hours of focused work with no distractions. Yeah. So I think that there's pros and cons to both. And I think that companies are going to have to navigate that and networking situations are going to have to navigate that. But at the end of the day, I don't think anything replaces in-person connections. So I think that that's always going to have a place, even if you know we switch over to metaverse and you know virtual reality and stuff like that. There's just Got something being in person that I don't think is replaceable. And okay, I think that yeah. a lot of people, like it's going to take like two generations for that to die mm -hmm. off. I think, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's definitely not going to, in our generation, it's, it's not going to happen because there's too many people that understand the power of being together in person. If you have people that are raised on virtual reality, like maybe that would change. Yeah. I really don't know because I don't know how they're going to be able to replicate that in the future, but you know, technology's progressing at such a rapid pace that I could be dead wrong about that in 
a decade or two decades. Gotcha. Well, I think this is actually this is a good segue. I mean, because you know, like over on your website, I was uh, just looking at the tag, the headline, and uh, I think you know we, we've been talking about kind of the in-person networking. But I think the point of view for your business is the secrets of connecting with the top 1% or really kind of learning how you're learning what those the elite networking uh, secrets are. Now, you know, I don't necessarily want you to give away all your secret sauce, but, you know, let's kind of segue into, right, you know, what, what are some of those really critical keys to, you know, networking your way to the people who are those decision makers, you know, because in regard, I mean, because if you're B2B, this is critical, right? In business to business, getting to those, as Alan Weiss would call it, the economic buyer or the person who's a decision maker is, you know, getting A to them and B to where they trust you is 100% of what you're trying to do. But even if you're uh, marketing to consumers or to a broader market, it's still, you know, figuring out how to connect with people who will be influencers that have already gathered that audience. It, it would seem to me that it's the same process and it's still equally important. But anyway, I'd like to hear your expertise. Everybody who's listening has already heard me, <laughs> heard me rant on these topics. Yeah. So, for me, connecting with the top 1% was as simple as figuring out where they hung out. Uh-huh. It sounds super simple. It is simple, but it's not easy to figure it out and it's not easy to get yourself in those rooms. But it is as simple as trying to figure out where they're hanging out. Because that was the thing when I started into this space, I didn't really know what I was doing. I'd never been to a live event before I started my podcast, yeah. which is all about networking and communication and stuff. And the first couple of events that I went to, I just did what I thought you were supposed to do based on what I saw at like chamber meetings and you yeah. know some of these like business networking events, which is like come prepared with a ton of business cards, memorize your elevator pitch, talk to as many people as you yeah. can, get some business out of it. The problem with that approach is that it teaches it teaches people to treat networking like it's an in-person cold calling activity, and it's yeah. not. It's a relationship building activity. It, and and I'm not one to knock cold calling. I did six years at door to door sales. I I think that it yeah. has its place, but it's not. The networking event. That is not where you're supposed to do your cold calling. That's supposed to be where you're building relationships with people. And the two are not the same thing. And when I started going to these events, I started realizing that all the people that I had on my list that I really wanted to connect with, like the movers, the shakers, the influencers, the thought leaders that were in my space, none of them were ever at any of those things. And I was like, so does that mean that they don't think networking is important? Well, no, because they're all very well networked and have great relationships with a lot of people. So they're obviously still like, quote unquote, networking. They're just not doing it the way that I was told was the way to do it. So either I quit or I figure out how they're doing it and go get in those circles. And so that was obviously the option that I chose was to go figure out what they're doing. And so a couple of things that I started doing was, first of all, looking at pay to play as an option. If you don't have any lean into any of those networks, then one way to get into a couple of them is just to pay your way into some sort of a membership community, a mastermind community to get around those people where they're hanging out. Because like I said, it is as simple as that. It's like, where are these people hanging out? They're they're speaking at this event, but then you go watch them speak, but then they're nowhere to be found afterwards because they went backstage and that's where all the people are hanging out is backstage. So how do I get backstage? How do, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's always a matter of like, how do I put myself where these people are hanging out instead of putting myself in a position to connect with them like the other 4,000 people at this event are doing. You know what I mean? So, like, so for instance, 
I joined this uh, mastermind when I was first getting started called Thrive. Uh, I was a buddy of uh-huh. mine, Cole, Cole Hatter. In that group, he would have people come through to speak to mastermind. Um, and they were always good people, but then yeah. they would pretty much like come in, speak, and then take off. So the information was always great, but you couldn't like cultivate a great connection with them there because there were, you know, 80 to 100 people in the mastermind. And then they would stick around for 20 minutes, shake some hands, kiss some babies, and then peace out, you know? And so I was like, well, they all know each other. How do I, how yeah. can I get into those circles and really get to know some of these people, build real relationships? Yeah. And I'm just thinking this because, yeah, it's like you said, right? You need to transport yourself from the big room to the little room, right? You know, because if yeah. you're talking 80 to 100 people, I, I don't think of that as mastermind. To me, that's a small seminar. You know, you need to get towards, okay, when does the number get under 20? Because that's when they'll remember who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So, because the big event Thrive was like, 1500 people. So then you join the mastermind, there's, you know, 80 to a hundred people, but then you realize that just being in the room doesn't give you a relationship that you have to kind of do that on your own. So you have to have a reason to connect with them outside of those groups. And then you have to be able to connect with them there so that you can connect with them outside of those groups for that other reason. My reason was I had a podcast. So that was always my foot in the door. Like, Hey, can I interview on my podcast? But I knew I needed to build enough rapport with them to be able to get to the point where I could interview them. And so what I figured out is that a lot of the people that spoke to the mastermind and spoke at the event, they would hang out backstage like the whole time at the event, but only speakers were backstage. And I was like, well, there's, I mean, there's no way I can get backstage as a mastermind member, as a, like a high ticket mastermind member. I, I'm still not allowed backstage. You can't have 80 people backstage negates the reason to be backstage. And, uh, and so I figured out that they're running this like affiliate contest for thrive. And basically they're just like, whoever sells the most tickets to thrive gets this inner circle pass and has a backstage pass for the duration of the event. And, uh, so at the time that was my way in. So instead of focusing on, you know, standing in line at the back of the event for three or four months leading up to the event, I focused on becoming the top affiliate for the event. How can I sell more tickets for this event host so that I can be the person that gets to go backstage? And so for two years in a row, I was the top affiliate for the event. So they bring you up in front of the entire crowd, the 1,200 people, 1,500 people that were there, give you an award. And then once you get the award, you get a wristband that allows you to be backstage the rest of the time. And so that was enough to be able to differentiate me, to be able to hang out backstage, to connect with these people, get them on my podcast. And then at the next event... I had gotten a bunch of the speakers that were already that were speaking that year on my podcast over the last 12 months. So when I was backstage that time, then it was just further relationship building and putting my face back in front of a bunch of people that I knew that I wanted to continue build, you know, building relationships with. And so if you're not in the room, figure out a way that you can get in the room. If you have the money, buy your way into the room. If you can earn your way into the room, earn your way into the room. If you have a connection, use a connection to get in the room. If you can't do any of that, be the person serving water at the table. You know, you can't yeah. you can't get a seat at the table, find a way to serve water because the most important thing is the proximity, getting around other people like that. Cause like I said, they're not going to the chamber meetings. They're not going to the networking event with a name tag and cocktails and passing out business cards. Like they're not doing any of those things. So you have to go meet them where they are and try to figure out a way to, you know, put yourself into the the proper situations. Yeah. And I think that's actually really profound because, you know, because, because like, for example, you know, I'm thinking about it. Okay. So, cause you're talking about it in terms of say like, you know, kind of podcasts, thought leaders, those types of things, but the context I'm thinking about of it also is, you know, let's say you're talking about uh, like a local community, right. You know, well, it's like you said, you know, if you go to chamber, everybody's passing out their business cards, but okay, well, but then maybe what you should do is, you know, get really involved with something like Kiwana's Rotary, et cetera. And, you know, and then start being the one who's leading a number of these community-based projects because 
generally speaking, and almost any community, I mean, even in the influencer communities, you know, the most impactful people are almost all community involved in one way or another. And so it is far better to meet people in that capacity versus, as you said, you know, you're one of the people who's in a mastermind and they're, you know, they come up to speak for 20 minutes, shake some hands and they're gone. There's no chance they're going to remember you. Right. Exactly. Yep. You got to give them a reason to remember and you have to have an excuse to talk to them afterwards, which is like I said, another yeah. reason to have a podcast. Yeah. Outstanding. All right. Well, well, let's see. Okay. So I think we've unpacked the general philosophy. And so what are some of the ways that you found are most effective to figure out where your target influences are hanging out? Follow them. I mean, honestly, it's as simple as that. It's like, make a list. You have to be purposeful about it. You can't just accident your way into it. Be purposeful, make a list, and then go through that list. Make sure you follow all of them on all of the relevant social accounts and look for what they're up to. They'll tell you, like, go into this event to speak. You know, I'm hosting this mastermind at such and such location on such and such day for X amount of dollars. You know what I mean? Like they'll tell you where they're hanging out, you know, while well, we're doing a meetup or coming into town and whatever, and we're going to do a dinner or like a lot of people will tell you kind of what they're up to. If you just pay attention and follow the things that they're doing and then start getting to know the people, the platform hosts in your event, the podcast yeah. hosts, the the people who are running events and stages and make sure that you're showing up at all of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like half of it's Got just it. showing up putting your face back in front of those people. Even if you've connected with them three times, show up again, put your face back in front of them so that they know you're not going away. You know what I mean? Like that persistent says volumes for people when they're like, oh man, I, uh, this guy one time that was trying local Vegas guy who's a, a pretty big name in my space. And he was, I was at a number of event that he yeah. was at in, in a row. And then one of them, he was just like, man, Travis, you're, you're everywhere, man. I see you all the time. Like, what are you up to these days? You know, like it, it got to the point where it was like unignorable where it was like, when did I just see you last week and like three weeks ago and then like six weeks ago, like, and you're here now, what, like, what are, what are you doing? How do you know these people? Where, why are we always seeing each other? What are you up to? You know what I mean? It makes people curious about what you got going on. If you're just persistently showing up places where those people are, you know, persistently showing up. Got it. Now I think that right there, at least to me is that's the one sentence gold nugget uh, for the episode is you need to make a, make a target, your people, make a list, figure out where they're going, and then consistently show up where they're at. Over time, they will notice you and you will be able to build a, you will have a chance to build a relationship. Yep. It's not a one-shot deal. Simple, but not easy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, hey, Travis, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, Let's see. So I I was just uh, checking out your website. So I know one of your websites is just travischapel.com, T-R-A-V-I-S-C-H-A-P-P-E-L-L.com, two P's, two L's. Uh, Are there any other other websites people should go to or uh, which socials are you most active on? Yeah, TravisChapel.com is where you can find basically anything I do personally, professionally. But yeah. then my software company is over at guestio.com, guestio.com, which you can check out if you want to get booked on shows, you want to book people for your podcast, you can go to guestio.com, search the marketplace and book and schedule people inside of that application that we built. But everything else, yeah, you can find TravisChapel.com, most active probably like on Instagram and stuff. Gotcha. Um, but if you go to TravisChapel.com, all my social links are there and you can find me wherever you're most active. Outstanding. Well, hey, Travis, I really, really appreciate your time today. It's been an amazing conversation. Thanks, Doug. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. So if you liked this episode, 
please share it on your favorite social media and tag me and then tell me what you did or didn't like about this episode so that I will know what to create for you. And in addition, I would like to share with you the most incredible free gift ever. What I am going to do is I am going to give you a three-day, four-night vacation at one of 30 destinations across the United States completely free, with no obligation at all, no timeshare pitch, nothing. In addition to that, what I am going to do is I am going to do a complimentary savings assessment for your business so that you will understand whether it makes sense for us to work together so that I can help to save you money. The value of this offer is literally between thousands and millions of dollars depending on your business. But even if you don't have a business, if you know somebody who does, I would like to extend that offer to them and still provide a free vacation to you. So just go to offer.terminalvalue.biz right now and enter your information so that I can bring your free vacation to you. Remember, that is offer.terminalvalue.biz, and I am looking forward to talking.